Uh, Father, thank you so much for this day, and thank you for the opportunity just to hang out with these guys a little bit. Uh, Father, as we look into your word and dive into your word today, um, God, I pray that, um, that we would just hear what you would have to say uh, to us as men. And let us, uh, Father, hear you well and be challenged in our walk uh, today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Okay, for the last couple of weeks, if you're new here, we have been in a series entitled Four Skills Every Man Needs to Succeed. And uh, our, our basically our launching pad verse is this, if the axe is dull and the edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed, but with greater skill comes greater success. And so we've been looking at a couple of areas in our lives that we, if we can improve our skill in these areas, if we can sharpen the axe, uh, we can succeed better. Week number one, if you were here, uh, we talked about maximizing your moods, learning to control your moods. And we talked that first day, uh, looked all the way back to Cain and Abel and other examples in Scripture where uh, individuals destroyed themselves and others because they could not master their moods. They could not control uh, their anger or their moods. Maybe their ups or their downs. And so uh, that was the first week. Last week we looked at this. Uh, if you're going to be as successful as God wants you to be, we have to learn to manage your energy. That uh, And we talked about the importance of works work last week that... Uh, God says six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you should rest. That we have to have, to have those seasons in our life that God has put together a, uh, a rhythm for us. He has created us in His image that we would be workers six days a week, uh, but then on that seventh day we would rest, that we would uh, uh, re-energize ourselves, that we would get away at least from what we do for a living to do something for fun, to do something for worship, to learn to improve our walk with God. And so we need to be in that rhythm, the rhythm uh, of, um, of a typical man in a typical world is work, 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 vacation. Work, 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 vacation. That's a typical rhythm. That's not the way God created us. God created us to have a weekly rhythm, which is work, Sabbath, work, Sabbath, work, Sabbath, vacation. And that's kind of where we are. And what does it mean to have a Sabbath? It means I step away from, a, from what I do on a daily basis that really puts food on the table, that I step away and I have some downtime where I focus on my relationship with God, my relationship with others, with, with my friends. Uh, I do something for fun. I mean, and there are some people that, man, mowing is fun for them. And that actually can be a Sabbath. That can be a rest. It's not some, there are, so it doesn't mean that you take a nap. That is not necessarily what a Sabbath means. It means you step back from the daily grind to refresh yourself uh, for what is ahead. And so as we think about that, and as we roll through uh, this, uh, this whole idea of maximizing our success, you know, there are really two, we two ways to be more successful in life, right? Uh, whether you're um, an athlete, whether you're um, an accountant, whatever, you, whether you're a manager, there are two ways to have greater success. One is you have to maximize your strengths, right? Whatever you're good at, get better at, right? But you also have to minimize your weaknesses. How many of you know that? Not everybody is the perfect person. Nobody in this room is the perfect person. So what do you do? You say, how has God put me together? How has God shaped me with my talents and my skills and abilities? And whatever your strength is, make them better. But you also need to figure out what are my weaknesses 
and I need to get better at my weaknesses, or I need to minimize my weaknesses at least. And so as we come to today's lesson, today's idea is that not only number skill number one was to master your mood, skill number two was to manage our inner energy through taking a consistent Sabbath so God can re-energize us. Then skill number three is to maximize our strengths and abilities and minimize our weaknesses. And so that's kind of a skill that we have to learn. Now, going back to someone mentioned uh, uh, Luck a while ago. And as we think about uh, Andrew Luck, um, just an abrupt retirement. Kind of a pretty good example uh, for where we are of a guy that probably, when you look at quarterbacks, he could have been at his peak, right? He could have been at his prime. But if you take a guy that's been beat up, then had to go through a recovery and then took an extra year to get his shoulder right. And about the time he gets on the field, he looks great again. Then he gets hurt again. And then he looks good again. And then he, was, he talked about, why did you quit? And he goes, I've just been in this cycle, right? This constant cycle of excelling, getting hurt, rehabbing, excelling, getting hurt, rehabbing, and excelling. And the truth is... Um, what was it, Jim Ursay, the owner, said he probably walked away from $500 million or something like that because his next contract, he's made a lot of money, but his next contract was going to be a monster. Who wouldn't sign him, right? Because he's really good. The reality of it is he had just had enough. And there are times, if you and I aren't careful, that we can get in that cycle of life where about the time I get to the top, uh, you get knocked off the top, and then you just get burnt out as you're trying to get back there and about things. Uh, I'll tell you that uh, if you've been around here for a while, uh, since the hailstorm, one of my greatest um, disappointments for my congregation, for y'all, for our people, is the last two years. We had gone through a fundraising episode to build a new chapel that uh, our people had sacrificially given. We had, we had put in and, and, and offered up two brand new children's spaces, and we enjoyed them for eight weeks. And then all of a sudden, not only can you not use your new children's space, everything beyond those doors is destroyed. And you kind of, so you, you've kind of gone up here and you're like, man, we've kind of arrived. Now, that wasn't our mindset, but you kind of, don't you like to get those things behind you? You know, anybody, uh, Jerry, y'all have been building a house. Uh, if y'all didn't know, Jerry's uh, uh, wife, April, she is my other boss. I've got Gina bossing me from this side and April bossing me from the other side. And Gina and April talk, so they team boss me is what they do. But they've been building a house. Uh, how's that gone for you? And he lies about other things, too. Are you? Y'all don't live far from each other. Okay. I mean, the reality of it is, is anybody ever build a house from the ground up? And it just never time in. And you're just about the thing. And then you're like, why did they do that? And how do I get them back to my house? And it becomes a beating. And life can become that way. And if you think, what's the most, why did Andrew Luck quit? His calf is hurting. How many of you really think he quit because his calf was hurting? He quit because he lost the fire, right? I mean, be honest. And let me tell you what, it, it's one thing if you're an accountant and you lose the fire. All right, I've got a daughter studying accounting. It's one thing if, you lose, if you're a pastor and you lose your fire. If you're on a football field and you've lost your fire, that's a bad place to be. How many of you understand what I'm talking about, right? 
right? And so here we are, guys. The truth is, you might be an accountant, you might, you might be, you know, in sales, you might be uh, uh, in something else. But the truth is, if you and I roll out in the world and we have lost our fire, we are sitting ducks. And we're not going to be the way God wants us to be. That's the way it is physically, but it also can happen to us spiritually. And so when we come to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, the Apostle Paul is talking to one of his sons in the faith, Timothy. And Timothy has been kind of Paul's protege. Timothy has been discipled by Paul uh, all through the seasons of life. Timothy has been his companion. He's been encouragement. And Timothy is now the pastor at the first church in Ephesus, all right? Uh, it's, it's a church that Paul helped plant. Actually, Paul pretty much pastored this church for three years. But Paul's heart was to constantly go and share the gospel in a new place with a new people, with a new group of believers. And so he left Timothy there to pastor this church in Ephesus. And Paul, after knowing Timothy, and Paul probably after knowing his own heart, said, you know what, I'm concerned about Timothy, that after he's pastored for a while, and after he's ministered to people for a while, and after he's poured his life out to people, that his fire might go out. And so I love the refreshing truthfulness that Paul delivers in 2 Timothy chapter 1, where he says, Timothy you got to fan the flames. You, you, you've got to add fuel to the fire. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That, that there are times in our lives when we get beat up. When, uh, man, it, it, I, had, I had made this statement with a guy I met with yesterday. And uh, I, I said, just, well, you, sounds to me like you're kind of experiencing that season in life where no good deed goes unpunished. How many of you have heard that phrase? How many of you have walked that phrase? All I do is try to be good to people, you said. Or I was just trying to be good to them. I was trying to do the right thing. And all of a sudden, it bit me in the butt, right? And over and over and over again, that can happen. And what happens? Our flame begins to go out. And so today, I want to talk to us about fanning the flames, making sure as best we can, looking at what Paul said to Timothy, how do we keep the flame burning? How do we keep constantly adding fuel to the fire and then also how do we allow others to come alongside us uh, one of the strengths of imod right there is you're going to walk with a group of dudes that um, that man you're going to come to a place i'm going to tell you right now uh, you're going to come to a place when you're going to make a decision whether i'm going to go on or not because it's not it's not the easiest discipleship program we have here at the church so guys i want to talk to you as we come to this Every one of us, I believe, in here from time to time comes to a space in life just like Andrew Luck does. That I'm like, man, is this what I want to do? You know, is this, is this what I want to do? And truthfully, it's way more than actually the job that you're doing. This is more about who you are. Because... Whatever life God has given you and whatever life you have left, live it with passion. Live it with the flame fully burning. 
and I'm looking around, you got air conditionings over here. I want you to know, Joe, I have no desire to do air conditioning service. But whatever that, man, that's you, and you do it with passion. You know, you guys and, and, and Keith and wherever you are, man, whatever you do, do it with passion. It may not be my passion, but whatever you choose to do, man, let your flame burn because that's how we attract others. That's how we draw others to faith. And let me tell you what, wherever you are and whatever your passions are and whatever you do on your Sabbath and your day of spiritual rest, God is putting other people around you that if you will live with passion, you, they will be drawn to you and they'll be drawn to your faith and your walk. But if we're constantly walking around and all we got burning in our spiritual life and our physical life and our relational life and, 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 and our journey, if all we have is just a pilot light going, it's not going to impress anybody. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Anybody have a pilot, pilot light burning at your house? And Do you ever just sit around and just walk, look at it and you're impressed? <laughs> no! When are you impressed? It is kind of cool to sit there at that water heater and all of a sudden see someone turn on the hot water heater and that little flame go, <clears throat> right? That's kind of cool. Or, or it's kind of cool uh, in, in the dead of winter when, uh, when all of a sudden you, you, you turn the fireplace on for the first time and that gas is rolling and you're just kind of waving that wand of fire in there and then all of a sudden, <clears throat> and then you send your eyebrows and you go to sports cuts, Right? That's what draws people. That's what brings heat to people. And so that's what I want to talk to us about today, guys. Where is your flame? Man, are, are, are you nearing an Andrew Luck type experience? And, and I will tell you, of all, of all the sports that I don't think you can tell someone, go, you, you're crazy for not playing. Football's at the top of it, right? You know, football's about at the top of it. If you don't have a passion for that, because when you're done with that game, you're going to be walking different the rest of your life. But even in our lives, guys, if you were to honestly, if we could all see the flame in your life, would we see that it's been snuffed out? Would we see it as a little pilot light? Would we see it set on medium gas grill? Would we see it fired up? And I love this because by Paul communicating with Timothy to fan the flames, he's acknowledging a reality we all experience. I will tell you guys, as your pastor, there are some times that I am burning with passion. And there are some times that the fire is waning. That's exactly what Paul is acknowledging about Timothy. Timothy, we're all prone. We're all prone to have those seasons of ebbs and flows and the passion in our life. And so, guys, for y'all, that's not unusual, okay? That's why Paul tells him, so if you have those seasons when your spiritual fire is burning and, and then it seems to be waning and you have those seasons when your passion for work is burning and then it seems to be waning, that is a natural thing, guys. That's not just you. It's everybody. Man, it's Paul, uh, the preeminent apostle, talking to his number one disciple, hey, dude, this happens, right? Right? And if it happens to them, it happens to us. 
And so let's just read the passage here real quickly. Verse 6 and 7, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. And notice what Paul says. He says, For this reason I remind you to fan the flame, uh, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He says, For God did not give you a spirit, or us, a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and of discipline. Boy, he talks about a grand threesome right there. Uh, and so if you want to take this to, we're, we're dudes, so if you take it to the sports analogy, Paul is like the coach here, right? Paul is coaching, coaching Timothy. He's like, hey, listen, you got these three things. You know, what do we, I'm a baseball guy. You know, I always want to know when, when, when we've drafted somebody or we just signed another international player. You know, I, I begin to look because I want to see, all right, where does this guy, they always talk about baseball, a five-tool athlete, right? Oh, where does he rate here? Where does he rate here? We, we, you know, and the, the guy we just signed, they say, man, he can sure hit the ball a long way. Let's see where he can play in the field. What are they saying? He's not a five-tool athlete, right? They're saying what he can do is hit the ball a long way, and if we can just find some place to put him on the field, he'll help the team, right? So where are we? I mean, he's saying, man, I'm your coach. And he says, listen, we don't have to be five-tool athletes as children of God. He says, but let's be three-tool athletes. And what are the grand threesome that he talks about? He goes, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. Those are the three tools that you and I need to maximize if we're going to be all that God wants us to be. And we've got to minimize our fear and timidity. Well, if you look right now, one of the tragic stories, and uh, he's becoming a whipping post, is Rugnet Odor, the second baseman. If you, if you don't know baseball, just, just tolerate me. A couple of years ago, he looked like the second baseman for the Rangers for the next 10 years. How many of you remember that? They went out and got ahead of it, signed this guy, and say, let's get him on the books on the cheap. Since then, he's batted about 190. He can't hit a fastball above the belt for the world. He can't lay off the fastball that is low and outside. And he hadn't hit 30 home runs again in the last three years put together. What's the conversation right now? They're done with him. They're done with him. And what's interesting is everybody loves the guy. They said he's working hard. It's not like he's quitting. He's working hard. He just doesn't have it. He can't put the barrel of the bat on the ball for the life of him. And so for you and I, what do we need to do? We need to put the barrel of the bat on the ball. Paul says, here's what you do. Don't be afraid. You've got you to step up to the plate, and you've got to step up there, and you've got to have some power, and you've got to have some love, and you've got to have the discipline. Then on the athlete side, this is Timothy receiving from Paul. Paul is saying, Timothy, you're going to be prone to flame out. Timothy, you're going to be prone to want to quit some days. Timothy, you're going to be, you're going to be prone to halfway it in your spiritual life and your spiritual walk because you got it figured out. And he says, don't do that. He goes, I want you to burn with a passionate flame about life and everything that you do. 
Ephesus was an interesting city. If you don't know much about Ephesus, uh, it was kind of a, uh, a trade city. It was uh, an eclectic city. It was a pretty wealthy city. Uh, but it was also a city uh, filled with debauchery. Uh, they, had a, uh, they had a temple there uh, in Ephesus. Called, it was called the Temple of Diana. And uh, it was at one point considered one of the seven wonders of the world. And it was basically a uh, temple of Diana. Diana that, she's a fertility god. And so it was, a, it was basically a big house of worship and prostitution. That's essentially what it was. So the debauchery there was crazy. I mean, it, in that space right there, it rivaled Corinth or Vegas of their days. Because it was there. And right in the middle of that city... Uh, that had all peoples from all different cultures. They had Jews there, they had Gentiles, they had barbarians, they had everybody right there, right in the middle of that. They had planted a church, a light. There was a successful church that Paul, when he says, I'm not going to pastor this church anymore, I'm going to take my best and my brightest, I'm going to put him right there. Then Paul steps away and says, hey, be careful, Timothy, because there are going to be days that you lose your passion. There are going to be days that you need to fan the flame. There are going to be days that you need to maximize your strengths and minimize your abilities and just press on. And so if you need that message today, if your flame is is beginning to dwindle down a little bit, first thing I want you to know is you're not alone and you're not the first dude it's ever happened to. Second thing I want you to know today is that doesn't mean it's over. It just needs, we, means we need to stoke the fire a little bit. And part of that, and you're going to see this in what Paul says, is being around other brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's really what we're rolling into as a church in our Renewed series. What happens to a coal or a log? You've heard this series that's been around. You pull it away from the fire. What is it? It's going to burn out, right? What do we, and this is, guys, and this includes me, what do we have a tendency to do when we lose a bit of passion? We withdraw. What is the, that is the worst thing, right? Do you understand what I'm saying, guys? That is the worst thing we can do when we begin to flame out a little bit or fade out a little bit or drift away in our spiritual walk. What do we do? We try to back away. Now, what do we have to do? We have to move toward the fire. And so that's my encouragement today. Fan the flame wherever you are. So let me give you a couple thoughts as we walk through here. Thought number one, don't ever forget that God has given you a fire. God has given you a fire. You have talents, you have skills, you have gifts, and you have to rekindle the passion. The reality of it is for all of us that the spiritual and physical and relational fervor for every man in this room ebbs and flows. That's a reality. We can never be at our peak performance in every area. There's always going to be these ebbs and flows. There's always going to be these ups and downs. So notice what it says in verse 6. He says, For this reason, Timothy, I remind you. Just stop right there. It's kind of interesting. How can you remind somebody of something? Only after you've told them before. Do you get that? So what does this mean? Paul has told Timothy this before, right? 
And he says, Paul, uh, Timothy, I told you this was going to happen. And I want to remind you again. You know what Paul's also going to say? And by the way, if we talk again, I'm going to remind you again. Now, these words of Paul are even more important if you understand the setting. Because the setting for Paul is his second Roman imprisonment. If you know the history of Paul's life, he doesn't make it out of that one. His first Roman imprisonment, Paul did a lot of writing. He was free to come and go. People came and visited him, all of those things. Here, his second Roman imprisonment, he knows he's about to die. So these words to Timothy and ultimately these words to you and me are kind of Paul's last challenge. He says, guys, if I've got anything to say to you, here it is. This is my last will and testament. This is my last word of encouragement. And what was Paul's last word of encouragement to Timothy? Let me remind you of something. And so his last words to you and to me is let me remind you of something. That there are going to be those ebbs and flows in our lives. And the best way to deal with life is to press on, fan the flames, maximize our strengths, minimize our weaknesses, and let the ebbs and flows go. So notice what he says, back to verse 6. He says, for this reason, I remind you of something I've told you over and over again. To fan into flames the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my, on my hands. Well, So what is the flame? Uh, if, you, uh, if you want to turn back one verse, uh, look back one verse, look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. What is the flame? He goes, I have been reminded uh, of your sincere faith. Now, who was with Paul in his second Roman imprisonment? For those who don't know, a guy named Onesimus as well as Luke. Those were the only two folks that were with him. All right? So he says, they told me, they came and they told me, and my guess is what they told him is that Paul... If you're about to die, Timothy's going to struggle. He's going to struggle to carry on. And so Paul says, I've been reminded. He says, Luke came and told me and reminded me of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am now persuaded, uh, I am also persuaded that it now lives in you. What's the gift? A sincere faith. Let me ask you guys, do you have that? Has there come a place in your life, each and every one of you in here, that you've placed a sincere faith in Jesus Christ? That you have come to, as I've talked about, uh, talked a little bit about this week, you've come to the head knowledge and the heart knowledge that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That there's none righteous, no, not one. That we don't walk around like spiritually rich men who say, I don't need God's grace. Let me tell you what, none of us deserve God's grace. But we come to the foot of the cross and the place of the cross where we say that when Jesus died on the cross, He died for my sins. And the beautiful things, had it only been your sins, He would have died on the cross still. That when he died on the cross, he paid for my sins. When he said, it is finished, he was talking about my sins. When he was buried in the tomb, he died my death. When he raised the third day to give resurrection to anyone who believed, that was for you and that was for me. Paul says the flame 
It's not our talent, it's not our skill, it's not our job, it's not our occupation. The flame that lasts is a sincere faith. He says, now for Timothy, let me remind you that your actual sincere faith didn't start with me. It started with your grandmother and your mother. He goes, I just got to check it out. I got to disciple it a little bit. So has there come a place in your life and in my life where you have acknowledged the fact that you have a sincere flame? Not play in church, but I've come to faith in Christ. Guys, that's when you have the pilot light. Now we fan it after that, but faith brings the light. And faith brings the fire. And so now as you think a, a little bit more, how, did, how do we get it? How do we get that faith? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. So a sincere faith is gained by what? Not a hard question. By faith. A sincere faith is gained by faith. A lot of times people say, I have a sincere faith and I got it by works. And I'm like, that's not faith, right? A sincere faith is gained only by faith. What did Paul say? For it is by grace, God's grace, you have been saved through faith. Not not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Man, the flame that we have is a gift of God. He says, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship. Now, you guys are a piece of work. Right? But the beautiful thing, it's God's workmanship, all right? God is crafting us. God is putting us together. And he says, we are a gift to God, not by works. For we are God's workmanship who created us in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared for us in advance for us to do. Now, as we think about that, when we have a sincere faith, it comes by faith, but it produces men who want to work and serve God. That is the outcome. That we would fan the flame and we would say, what do I want to do for God? What do I need to do for God? What can I do for God? That's what the whole series we're about to go into entitled Renewed is about. To say, man, if my life looks a little bit like the grass, my grass right now is appreciating this. Why? Because my grass's owner is too cheap to pay for water. All right? My grass is grateful for what's happening right now because it's going to go from that yellowish, burnt look to light green because I'm not going to water it again. So if it's not going to water long, why do, what does that mean? What, we want to be renewed. My grass is going to get renewed. Your grass is going to get renewed. In life, in spirit, we need to be renewed from time to time. Why? For more works and for serving God and walking Him and growing in our faith. Now notice this. Um, what do we do with the gifts that God has given us? I love Romans chapter 6, and, and you don't have to turn there. Let me, just, let me just talk you through this. In Romans chapter 6, he says, we all have different gifts. I want to reemphasize that, guys. Not every one of us in here is built the same way. God has called me to be a pastor. God has called Justin to serve in the ministry. I'll guarantee if you walk side by side between the two of us, we are about as different as night and day in the way we fulfill ministry. But I will tell you, ministry couldn't happen without him and without me. Probably more ministry could happen without me than him. Because he's built a certain way. 
And so you can't live your life saying, man, why didn't God give me those gifts? And why didn't God give me those skills? And man, I wish I had that one. Because listen, when God gifts some people, some people have a tendency to fulfill their gifts in public. And some people have the tendency to fill their gifts much more in private. How many of you were here last, last Sunday when my wife joined me on stage? My wife doesn't enjoy that. The last thing my wife wants to do is be on that stage. You want to know where my wife wants to be? She wants to be discipling girls. She wants to be discipling a small group of ladies. She wants to go teach her class. That is my wife. And let me tell you what, she does as much ministry as I do in there than up there. So notice what he says. How do we display our flame and give our gifts? He says, we each have different gifts according to the grace that has been given to each of us. If a man's gift is prophesying, then let him prophesy in proportion with his faith. If a man's gift is serving, let him serve. If a man's gift is teaching, let him teach. If a man's gift is encouraging, let him encourage. If a man's gift is to give and contribute to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is to show mercy, and this is a man, if a man's gift is to show mercy, let him do it cheerfully to meet the needs of others. If his gift is uh, uh, to give, if it's leadership, whatever is diligent, if it's to show mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Man, whatever you do, whatever gift God has given you, do it with a passion. And say, God has built me that way. God has put me together that way. I, I love what um, an old theologian of yesteryear, a guy named C.T. Studd. I always wish my name, my last name was Studd. Can you imagine? Who's your pastor? Studd. In fact, I'm thinking about changing my name. Justin, can I just change my name sometime? Yeah. Pat, y'all, y'all feel free to call me Pastor Stud, but C.T. Stud, you go look it up. It's a real dude. All right, here's what he said, and, and you've heard the quote, but now I'm going to tell you who originally said it. He says, only one life will soon pay, be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. How many of you have heard that statement? Now y'all know a stud said it, right? The reality, guys, everybody in here is gifted differently. And sometimes we can, and I will tell you, I'm, I, I'm the worst at this. I remember being at the worst at this. We have a tendency to do what? Look at what someone else is strong at, that we're weak at, and compare ourselves to them. I will tell you, if you do that, If you do that, that's on you. Because that's not the way God built you. Now, we want to get better if it's a weakness. We might look at that individual and say, you know, man, let me me glean some insights. Because I need to get a little better at that. But you can't take a gift or a talent, a natural skill or ability. I'm a baseball guy. There are some guys who are pretty much born with the natural ability to throw the ball 95 miles an hour. I'm telling you, they can change it from 95 to 100, but it is a gift. If if your natural arm strength, and, and this is true, if your natural arm strength is you can throw the ball 80 miles an hour, 
you will never throw the ball 100 miles an hour. It won't happen. Now, you can throw it to 85, and you can make it move more. Does that make sense? You, you, can, you can get better at your skill. Guys, whatever God has gifted you with, you want to get better at your weaknesses, but you want to maximize your strengths. There were some strengths. Uh, prophecy, teaching, leading, serving, showing mercy, giving, whatever it is. Just get better. Now, let me give you another, another thought. We have to beware of the fire extinguishers in life. There are some things that we, we encounter in life that will put our flame out. Paul lists one of them. Notice what he says in verse 7. He said, God did not give us the spirit of fear or timidity. If you and I walk around fearful or timid to express our faith or to walk with God or to commit to things, let me just tell you, these guys committing to IMOG, if, if they don't make it, they have not failed. Because 99% of the people and men in this church won't commit. I will guarantee you, it's, it's a tall order with the discipleship and the commitment they're about to make. Now, I don't want to scare you guys. Y'all are probably going to make it. Everybody else in your class is going to fail. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. It's not that bad. It's just, a, I love it. I mean, it's, it's, a, tall, it's a tall task. Does that, does that make sense? If you commit to... Let's say all of a sudden you walk up and you say, man, I'd love to commit to come to worship the next eight weeks and I'd love to get in the life group and I'd love to go through the pastor's daily devotion. I can make all those commitments, but I'm not going to make those commitments because I've done that before and I've failed. What have you just guaranteed you? Failure. Failure. Yeah. You have become a spiritual quitter and there's a special place in hell for you. I'm kidding about that part. Just to keep you awake. Guys, if you are fearful, you are choosing to put your own fire out. That's what Paul was saying. He was saying, Timothy, God's not giving you a spirit of fear. If you're fearful or timid about your faith, about growing your faith, about walking with God, about getting out on a limb... And say, you know what, I'm going to go for this. He goes, that's not from God. He says, because we've got to go for it, God. I'm, get, I'm glad God was willing to step out on a limb for me. I'm glad God was willing to step out on a limb for you. I'm glad Jesus was willing to step out of the comfort of heaven for you and me. And he went to the cross, and his death on the cross wasn't a loss, it was a victory. And so guys, as we leave here today, whatever you do today, I want to encourage you. Don't let fear snuff your fire out. Whatever you do for Christ is ultimately what's going to last. When as you think through this, um, our, 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 have, you done, have you studied the sun very much? I don't know how they got this, but those who, those who talk about the sun, I'm talking about the sun that, that's apparently not going to shine today. 
that on the earth's surface is somewhere around 27,000 degrees Fahrenheit. But they estimate at different places as you go through the core, when they watch it burn, it could get up to 27 million degrees. And as you look, you and I look around at others around us and people around us, it shouldn't shock us that we burn at different temperatures. But the key is, I don't really care whether it's 27,000 degrees on the sun's surface and 27 million or it's 37,000 degrees on the sun's surface and only one million at its core. All I want is for the sun to shine. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Guys, I don't care what your spiritual temperature is right now. All I want is when you leave here today is that you would shine. And then you stoke the flame. We can all think, and you say, Pastor, I, I feel a bit like Andrew Luck. I'm a little beat up. Well, let me give you a reverse story that most of us probably remember. It was the Barcelona Olympics in 1992. Remember Derek Redmond? Lining up for the 400 meter, getting ready to run from the UK. What you may not remember is the four years before, in 1988, Derek Redmond was scheduled to run. He had to pull himself out of the finals because his Achilles was, was tearing. So he works for four years to get back to the Olympics in 1992. If you don't remember the name, the starter's block goes off. He's about halfway around the course and he tears his hamstring and goes to the ground. How many of you remember the guy I'm talking about? And that guy gets up, immediately emergency personnel begin to run out. Everybody's coming out to get him. He stands up and he shoes them away. You remember that? And he starts walking. And there are other medical personnel come along. Cameraman tries to help him and he shoes them away. And as he's rounding that last corner, a man begins to wake, has been making his way from the top uh, of the stadium all the way down. He comes on and people don't push him away. And he puts his arm around Derek Redmond and it's his dad. How many of you remember? And they walk across the finish line. How many of you remember what it, was, what's, what it said on Derek Redmond's dad's hat? Just do it. Go look at the image. Just do it. Guys, when you leave here today, I don't care what the temperature is of your spiritual life right now. Whatever your passion is, just let it burn. If there is someone who's at the core of their faith and right now they're burning at 27 million degrees at the core and you're at 27,000 degrees, let me tell you what, that's still hot. And you still matter. If you feel like you're face down on the track and you're Derek Redmond, get up. Finish the course. If there's some in here that are a lot like the Apostle Paul and you want to be someone's spiritual father, get off your butt in the stands and come down and find someone who's trying to get across the finish line 
put the just do it hat on and help them get where they want to get and where God wants them to go. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to hang out with these guys. God, thank you for these new guys. God, I pray that we would walk with you today and for God, God, for every guy in here that feels like they've just had their spiritual pilot light on for a long time, I pray that this would be a day that they would burn. God, as we journey forward, if we're like Andrew Luck and we think our passion is gone, let us not quit. God, if there's some guys in here that uh, they know they need to go back to maximizing their strength and minimizing their weakness, I pray that they would put in the energy and the effort to make it happen. And God, let us burn for you until we cross our finish line. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.